You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you may be in the world today. That's right. It's a podcast. It could be anytime you want. Coming up on today's show, we are all done airing TV shows for 2018. We're going to recap the last few, the final PCA main event shows later on in this show. And we got the runner up for that event, Sean Buchanan. He was not an easy man to get hold of. I think no, he, he tried wasn't. every single social media channel. Fortunately, when we interviewed Sean in the Bahamas for the TV shows, we got his phone number. So I was able to get him through WhatsApp. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you did. And my, one of my questions is going to be, what are you doing? What do you? How do you spend your time that you're not on social media constantly like the rest of us? Uh, he is going to play one of our dumb games as we recap the PCA main event. Uh, James, man, did I have a week. I, uh, I had a whole week just on Saturday. I went to a real radio show, sort of, uh, and did a guest on, spot. When you say a real uh, radio show, was it radio on the internet? It was radio on the internet, but it's one of those shows that they break up later on and actually put on radio, uh, on terrestrial radio. Okay, so that is a proper radio show. Yeah, so interesting. I'll tell you guys some more about that uh, later on. Three parties in one night that day, too. So that was a whole week in one day. Uh, in the online poker world, there's a new winter series to tell you all about. More about that in just a bit. And my being forced to watch movies continues this week as I'm challenged by a fella named Tim to watch a movie called North by Northwest. And thank goodness it was not about the child of Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. That uh, luckily predates those guys by a couple of years. So we are going to discuss your thoughts on that film when we get our super fan on the yeah. line. So what what's this radio show then? Tell me about it. So do you know my policy of just saying yes to anything, right? I'm at the stage in my career where I don't really want to act like I'm too big for something or too good for something. So this guy named Magic Matt Allen tweets at me and says, will you come on Outlaw Radio? Google me. And I Google Magic Matt Allen and I see he's a pretty prolific. I don't. He didn't like being called DJ when I said it on there. A radio personality. Yeah, I mean, a DJ, I don't know what it's like on your side of the Atlantic, but here a DJ is someone who's generally hosting. It's quite a derogatory term. But for a lot of people, but generally, yeah. if you're hosting a music show, if you are playing records and speaking maybe three times an hour, that's a DJ. If you're hosting a speech radio show or any kind of program where you're doing interviews or any form of content, you're more of a radio presenter or radio host than you are DJ. So the only due diligence I did was just a cursory like Google search of the radio show, because with a name like Outlaw Radio, I thought there was a chance it might be like a militant Maybe even like just a, a something I didn't want to be associated with. But I I looked them up and and they seem fine. There's nothing out there about them being particularly bad or anything. But when I got there, it turned out that it was hosted by like a bunch of like old conservative white dudes. Oh, God. Uh, who kept trying to lead me down a path of 
Isn't it stupid that people are vegans? Isn't it stupid that we can't play baby? It's cold outside anymore. Isn't it stupid that uh, Kevin Hart isn't allowed to host the Oscars just because he said something homophobic? And how do you react in those situations, especially where it is a live broadcast environment? My friend Sam came with me and he was like, Joe, I don't like filling your head with compliments because your ego can get a little out of control. But he's like, you handled all of that perfectly. Like I just bobbed and weaved and and still managed to make things funny. And I went, I don't think it's really a big deal if people want to be referred to as they instead of he or she. I don't know what you're so upset about. I think that Um, is almost the strategy if you can almost adopt an attitude of indifference because you're not taking like the opposite stance. You're not giving them the opportunity to argue with you. If you just kind of, yeah, whatever, they've got nowhere to go. Right, and the funniest part was that this whole thing came up when I called him a DJ and he went through the sort of the explanation you did and I was like, wait, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be taking offense to the fact that I called you by something that you prefer not to be called by, are you? Oh, wow. And He teed you and, up for that perfectly. Yeah, it was great. I had a really good time. All in all, I had a great time on this radio show. I kind of liked the fact that they had a somewhat different perspective than I do. I was able to make it kind of fun and kind of funny. I have to say that uh, I showed up to do this. This was at someone's house. And so... I didn't really know if the equipment was plugged in, but <laughs> it was. And it also, it was this very, um, had this very like old school Hollywood vibe to it where they kept name dropping all these celebrities that they know, but they were all guys from like 60s, 70s, 80s sitcoms. It was like, oh yeah, Greg Brady, he's a friend of mine. He comes to the show pretty regularly. Eddie Money on the show next week. It was all like this. And so the the most bizarre thing about this was that oh, just to make a long story short, the guys ended up inviting us to like a house party afterward. And me and Sam went. That's how good a time we had, even though we definitely butted heads on a bunch of these topics. We all had a very good time afterward. But the funniest thing about this was that a few nights before I was in a bar and I managed to meet up with Huff for a couple of drinks. Uh, and I heard someone at the bar talking about poker. And I can usually not resist this situation, especially if it's a small bar. And it's like everyone's kind of having the same conversation. So I'm like, oh, what's going on? Oh, you play poker, blah, blah, blah. And then I uh, realize as I'm leaving the bar that the guy I've been talking poker with for the last few minutes is Robert Carradine. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey, dude, it's been fun talking to you. Nice to meet you. I'm a fan. And so I leave. And then two days later, I get an email from the outlaw radio producer, and she's like, "Who? here's who you're going to be on the radio show with this week, and it's fucking Robert Carradine. No. Is that just yeah. a total glitch in the Matrix? Total glitch in the Matrix that I hadn't thought about Robert Carradine in years. See him at a bar. He's talking about poker, and he ends up being on the radio show. Now, Please don't Robert think Car- about him, by the way, Joe, because we know what happens yes. when you think about celebrities. I don't want to kill him. And the other thing, Jay, that you'll find interesting is that uh, so I, Robert Carradine ended up not showing up for the radio show and only showing up for the party later. So I didn't end up on the air with him. But the other guy I was supposed to end up on the air with is this Latvian slash Russian character actor named Ilya Baskin. 
And if you want to know who that is, just picture the guy that always plays the Russian diplomat, like in every movie. Uh, in all the Spider-Man movies he's in, he plays the Russian president in Air Force One. Oh, God. Yeah, I think I know and, the face. And so it was this really bizarre. There's, I'm in a radio show with like four guys smoking cigars talking about like, Oh, bro, why can't we listen to baby? It's cold outside anymore. And I was like, well, it is. It does have some really negative messages towards little people. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a whole bunch of anti-dwarf uh, language in there. And uh, we had a good time, even through all the name dropping and all the, all the all the redneck, all the I can't. Oh, and there was a woman on the show and she was on their side. I was like, <laughs> I was like. You do at least agree that there is like an equality problem. And she was like, no, there's not. And I was like, okay, you cool. cannot win. Um, <laughs> just before we move on to this week's poker news, I want to advertise a television appearance by one of our regular listeners, Christopher Bean. Yeah. Tweets to say, you may remember from the live show at the Hippodrome, I told you I was going on 15 to 1, which is a quiz show here in the UK. Christopher says, it's going to be broadcast. On Tuesday, the 18th of December at 3 p.m. on Channel 4, I made three references to the podcast on the show. Let's see how many survived the cutting room floor. So set your VCRs, people. Make sure you've got a clean TDK Betamax tape loaded in. Tuesday, the 18th of December, 3 p.m. Channel 4. Watch Beanie UK, Christopher Bean, compete in 15 to 1. So that is uh, the night before our final podcast of the year. So hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to see what happens and give an update on that. I will be intrigued to see if any reference to this podcast makes it onto the show. I uh, sure hope someone like James isn't the one doing the cutting because I could. He, I, he There's no way if it was his TV show he would allow some podcast to get a free plug. He would. Of course not. There would be like. There would be like a massive jump cut, like Mystery Science Theater style, before he lets that through. <laughs> okay, let's deal with the news headline, shall we? What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Years News. And we start in Prague, the capital of the Czech Republic, with some early results from EPT Prague. The festival started with the 10,000 euro single re-entry event, Akin Tuna won this for a first prize of 125,000 euros. There were 38 total entries, including re-entries. Tuna was chip leader at the end of every day. So he's no fish. (sighs) (laughs) Big Tuna. Well done. He beat Ognan Dimov. Yeah, Dimov having a good year, of course, because he was third place finisher in the EPT Barcelona main event a few months ago. Uh, The only other event worth recapping is the 50k super high roller, which had 40 total entries. Only the final four returned for the final day. And two hours into play, Joe, by two o'clock local time this afternoon, it was heads up. We never get final tables like that. And we do now have the result. Matthias Eibinger won the Super High Roller for 653k, with Andres Namath finishing in second place for 451k. A reminder for those of you wondering, why didn't I see this on the internet? No live stream from Prague as we prepare for 11 days of goodness from the PSPC PCA. More details next week. We're going to do a bit of a preview for our 11-day live stream. And one of the details 
One of the things I'm really excited about is an idea that Joe and I were batting around a couple of weeks ago when you were last in London, Joe. It's going to happen, and we're going to tell people about it next week because Forewarned is Forearmed, a chance for you to not only watch the PSPC, but also be a part of it in some small way. I will say no more until next week. Excellent. I thought you were talking about Rocket League. I thought you were saying Rocket League is going to happen. No, because that's just something that might provide an hour's entertainment to people. This could potentially provide several days' enjoyment for people. Cool. And I uh, have been working on a special thing uh, for the PCA. And yesterday we got a couple of steps closer to locking that in. I've been told we're 90%. So hopefully by our final podcast of the year next week, our PCA preview show, we will be able to make an announcement about that event happening in the Bahamas. Yet another reason we hope to see you guys down in the Bahamas. So the only other thing I wanted to mention was the Winter Series. We teased last week that this was going to be a thing. And by the time we go to air, or rather by the time this podcast makes it out into the world, the full schedule should be available via the Pokestars blog, via the promotions page at Pokestars.com. I can give you the headlines on the Winter Series. Most importantly, the dates. It starts on the 23rd of December, runs until the 7th of January, the Winter Series is going to have $40 million in guarantees. Across the 16-day schedule, there will be 60 events. Buy-ins range from $0.55 cents to $5,200. Uh, wow. So you're talking about um, uh, a micro main event, which costs $2.20, a low main event, which has $22 buy-in, a medium main event with a $215 buy-in, and the high main event with $2,100 buy-in so we're used to the low medium high i love the fact that we've now added a micro level as well so this is really a festival for all stakes yeah and i, I like the fact that there's a winter series because i think especially now you know you got a lot of options with what to do with your indoor activities and it's good to have like a reminder that online poker is still here and there's a there's a good reason to whip out some tournaments during the uh during the season also i don't know about everyone else but one of my most hated times of year is what I call the in-between days. It's that period between Christmas and New Year where nothing really happens, TV's a bit shit, and in previous years, that is probably the seven-day period where I found myself playing the most online poker. And the fact that this is running during that period, I think, is a great opportunity to get involved. Um, I've just seen there are two high-roller events taking place on December the 26th, Boxing Day, and January the 2nd. Um, so that's obviously stuff which I think people are going to be railing because if they're $5,200 buy-ins, that's probably outside of most of our listeners' bankrolls. But yeah, that main event, fantastic that there's a $2.20 main event as well as a $22 buy-in as well. So as I said, full schedule on the blog. And later on, we're going to have details of a special free roll exclusive to listeners of this podcast awarding winter series tickets but before that let's do some recapping of television tv recap so last time joe that we checked in with the pca 2018 tv shows that have been airing on channel 4 at the uk and ireland and are available for everyone else to watch at youtube.com slash pokerstars we'd had the day when Maria Konnikova went out, she was our guest a few weeks back. We lost our qualifier, Gledaby Brito, and we very much saw the dominance of the pros and the dominance of one pro in particular, that guy being David Peters, who came into the penultimate day, day five, as huge chip leader. And when you see a player of his pedigree, 
with his talent, with those chips, nothing's ever guaranteed, but you kind of think, well, he's going to be in the final six for sure, just as he was in Monte Carlo a few months later. But no, this show, episode seven, was all about the decline and fall of David Peters. Yeah, and I think what is most shocking about this to me is that we've seen this over and over again, James. We've seen the player we expect to make it to the final table somehow stumble on day four or day five, and it's rarely any more shocking to me. Like these days, I'm like, I've seen it all. Yep, that's what happens. I still was kind of shocked when this happened, which made it even more shocking, if that makes sense. Like, I don't get that attached to players. I don't think many players are like a slam dunk to make the final table. And I probably would have said that about D Peters at the time. Uh, And so this really was pretty surprising, even though we've seen it all. And through no real fault of his own either, though, you know, this kid is really something else. And I remain incredibly impressed by David Peters every time we see him play. And as someone I think Maria Ho pointed out during these shows that he doesn't really get rattled and he doesn't tilt. I do think he did get a little bit rattled. He doesn't show it in his face or say anything, but his play did kind of, uh, I'll say, change slightly. Yeah. And And what's weird is it was just a culmination of various things. It's not that in many instances he did anything wrong. His bluffs were mistimed. He was on the wrong end of, of coolers, the wrong end of flips. It just was one of those days where the cards were just not going in his way. Yeah, you know, and that's just going to happen. And I do think it, it affected him. It's impossible not to. Yeah. So if, if episode seven was playing down from 16 to 10 and it ends with David Peters eliminated in 11th place, we then pick things up um, with the penultimate show, the second half of day five, where we have to play down to the final six. Only 10 players remaining. We lose someone in, very early on, getting us down to our final table of nine. And I think my favorite story arc of this particular show is the mental anguish of Oleg Titov, a player who comes into the final nine short stacked and is just waiting for an opportunity to get his chips in, find that double up, find that spot, can't. And he's one of those players who wants everyone at the table to know that he's running bad because when he folds his hand, his face, his his body language and the words that come out of his mouth tell you everything you need to know about the range of hands he is playing. Oleg Titov is all of us. He is like, I don't know if we've, I think the correct term is he was like, he's like all of our ids. He's just at the table, just really frustrated, wants everyone to know how frustrated he is. And he's got that pessimistic dour. Oh, everything is terrible. Every hand is terrible. Oh, I run so bad. But he doesn't really run that bad when it comes down to it. Like he survives until episode eight. Like, given how much moaning and sourpussing he did, (laughs) you would have expected him to go out way, way, way long ago. And the other thing that happens here, because the show finishes with Titov going out in seventh. He finally goes out, does not make it into the final six. After Peters goes out, we see the ascent of Corey Aldemir, and he becomes this huge dominant chip stack. And then he does a David Peters and goes on the massive decline. And then Adrian Mateos, who started day five as the short stack, ends day five as the chip leader, which brings us nicely to show nine, the final episode, 
the main event final table, and Mateos never really gets anything going. Yeah. It's a surprise fourth place elimination. We see the chip lead taken early on by Maria Lampropoulou. Later, we see the ascent of Sean Buchanan, who we're going to talk to in just a moment. It looks like Bucky is going to run away with this thing. And then the big switcheroo during the heads-up battle. It was, and I'd forgotten this, I guess because it was back in January, but so much happened in the Bahamas, how ridiculous that final table was and how tough it is to condense that final table into a one-hour highlight show when the chip lead is changing so dramatically with pretty much every hand. Right, and this is sort of, I wanted to give uh, uh, some credit to our producers and to everyone who works on the TV shows because I think that while you and I were in it, me especially, I don't see the whole thing, uh, the tournament as a whole. I really just see what's happening right now. My head is down. We're dealing with this hand. We're dealing with the next hand. We're de- we're just trying to get through. You know, we're there for six days calling every single card. And you sort of forget that if you take a step back, there is like a really interesting story arc to this tournament, almost like a Game of Thrones type of thing, where at this story could have played out any number of ways. Yeah. At any given point, from David Peters to Corey Aldemir to Tidoff to to Maria to Bucky to uh, Adrian, and they were all going to be interesting. But I think that what ended up happening is one of the most interesting, and I probably wouldn't have recounted it as such had I not gone back and done the TV shows this way. I'd have been like. It was a long tournament. Eventually, Maria Lampropoulou won. She played pretty good throughout. But being able to take a step back and do the, like, the short version of this and go, wow, it was like a lot more complicated than that. There was a lot more going on. Uh, so I really do recommend watching this entire uh, series of shows because it is one of the more interesting up-down story arcs we've had over the years. Question, Yeah. as long as we're talking about the production of this show. Sure. How did we cut around all Maria's coughing? Was that an issue? <laughs> Not really. Um, it was less frequent than you probably remember. And See, that's all I remember about the main event was her just coughing every other... I mean, we also cut out a lot of her thinking time as well. Some of it has to yeah. be in there because you have to explain why players are calling the clock on her. You have to show some of her... Uh, yeah. deep thinking, some of her decision making, but not all of it. But yeah, it, it was, in the grand scheme of things, this was a relatively easy thing to do and it would drive the TV audience nuts if you had that coughing in there, even if it's a simple case of just muting the muting that particular audio channel at that particular moment. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but talking about it <laughs> this makes me need to... <laughs> why? Why is it doing that? Why do I have to cough right now? Um, well, let's talk about Maria's cough. Let's talk about that final table from the perspective of someone who was actually there, from someone who actually played in the PCA main event, made an incredibly deep run, was at that final table, the eventual second-place finisher in the PokerStars Caribbean Adventure main event 2018. Please welcome to the podcast, Sean Buchanan. What's up, my dude? Uh, Not too much, not too much, you know. Waking up a little early here. Haven't done this since high school, 8 a.m. Yeah, this is the first thing we need to do is thank you for agreeing to get up ridiculously early for this interview. Time zones and all that jazz. And really putting you to the test, Sean, because here you are getting up at an hour that you would normally still be asleep at. And we're asking you to remember hands that you played in a poker event from January of this year. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely forgot some of them, but 
let's see. <laughs> Are you one of those people that uh, that does remember hands after the fact, the instant recall, like most poker players, or you just kind of uh, forget about most uh, things? I used to remember everything, but <laughs> I've been doing this a long time now, so uh, a lot of times I can't remember a hand like <laughs> a few hours later sometimes now, <laughs> which and is you pretty think- bad. Does that obviously hands that are more important stick with you? Uh, is yeah. it something? Is there something about how uh, you're? you're pro- were, were you ever an emotional player? And do you think that maybe you forget more hands now because you're less emotional? Um, I don't think I've ever been an emotional player. I've always been kind of in check that way, like just kind of laid back, go with the flow. And uh, yeah. I don't really know the reason now. I think it's, I'm just getting older. <laughs> Maybe not paying quite as quite enough attention. <laughs> Sean, Joe and I were just discussing kind of the latter end of the PCA main event. I guess what happened over the last yeah. few TV shows. And it was great for us to work on this because it reminded us of what happened. And the fact that the narrative of the end, whether it was the, the ascent and fall of David Peters, the seeming unstoppability of Corey Aldemir, which then came to an abrupt end... It, it kind of the the chip swings that we saw in this were unbelievable, and you also fall into that category as well, where you become dominant chip leader. I think with three or four players remaining, you have the dominant chip lead heads up. And the weirdest thing about the heads up battle is, if you watch the TV show, it looks like one of those ridiculous TV edits where they've just taken the huge car crash collisions and cut out all of the kind of intricate post-flop poker there was no intricate post-flop poker i think pretty much every hand of heads up is in the show it was over in like five hands yeah it was was pretty amazing i haven't really had one like that before i was sitting there like super confident and like feeling like this tournament's mine you know like uh, i was in the zone and i've i've been there a lot on that stage so i i felt really good and then yeah all of a sudden it's like a a truck just hit you and you're walking out like (laughs) what just happened it was just all in, I think, four hands in a row, basically. Yeah. And four, four or five hands. If there's ever a time where you just do not want to be on the wrong end of a coin flip, it's in that situation, and you just got horrifically unlucky, which is, I guess, what happens <laughs> in the game. Let's focus on earlier on in the final table, because there's a yeah. hand that you play against Maria Lampropoulou, where you river a full house, and you get her to call a sizable value bet on the river, with just queen high. I don't even know if you're aware that that's what she had when she made that call. Uh, yes, I do. I do remember calling this queen high. I can't remember what I had off the top of my head right now. Though. <laughs> there, uh, when she makes the call with queen high, I try to yeah. defend her a little bit in the commentary and just say, okay, there is an argument for calling here. Uh, having yeah. said that, do you think that, is that your style to make these sort of hero calls um, with Jack and queen high? I definitely have in the, there's certain situations where it just doesn't really matter. Like if you put them on a certain range of hands, a lot of them are maybe like, like say the guys in the blinds, a lot of them are just hands that missed like on a six, six, seven board. Let's say there's four or five, there's five, eight, there's eight, nine, there's all sorts of like gut shot floats, all sorts of things where it's definitely reasonable, right? To call with like jack high, queen high type thing. Uh, but yeah, I think I remember that hand <laughs> in that situation. It, it didn't seem to, I don't know how many draws I'd missed. I can't remember the exact, uh, board. I'd have to look it up, but I remember one time 
on day three, I think, in uh, L.A. in a tournament. I called a guy, I checked, called a guy on the river with uh, Queen 10 high because I just knew by his reaction on the river that he just had 10 jack. So I, I, instead of betting, I checked, called him to make more money with Queen 10 high. <laughs> wow. And what was his reaction to that? Because a player is... Uh, yeah, yeah, he was kind of crushed. <laughs> you don't so I remember, I think uh, Will Fiala was at the table, and he, he was just like, you're sick. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh, if you're going to pull a move like that, having Will at the table I, is probably the best thing possible. Yeah, I just saw, like, I just saw like that he just missed the river, and I just it was the kind of player that kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. Like he, he has a lot of tell, so I just kind of like just instead of betting because he's just gonna fold, I just I just check called him to make more money. It's pretty funny. I think my favorite <laughs> hand from the final table, though, Sean, is a hand you play against Corey, and he is just barreling with a pair of threes, and you are correctly oh, calling yeah. him down with top pair <laughs> until the river, and you make the observation. Everything about your body language right now tells me you're nervous as shit or words to that effect, <laughs> but you just couldn't bring yourself to make the call. And you it's one of the situations where I think I'm I think I'm being bluffed here, but I just kind of have to wait for a better spot. Uh, yeah, you know, I watched the replays from the day before and I played with them a lot the last couple of days. Prior to this, I, I really I've never even played at, with him at the live table. Uh, I'm sure I had online. A little bit, but uh, I didn't know too much about him. I knew he rolls with all the, the German crew and all that. I know he's a tough player. But, uh, yeah, he wasn't getting crazy out of line. And, yeah, I mean, I limp called the small blind with ace-7, and he shot it up. I called, I think it was ace-queen-8 on the flop. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I checked, called a small-ish to medium bet. And the turn, I believe, was a jack. So, like, king-10 gets there. And all that. I checked, called again. I just, you know, I go, it's three handed. I have top pair, so I'm going to make them fly again. And then on the river, it looks like a good card, right? You make two pair, but yep. it's really, yeah. by the time the river comes, it's like, and he goes all, like, he sized up to pot on the turn. And then the river, he like overbets 3 million, 3.3 million, I think. And I had about 6.8, 7 million at this point. So yeah, it's a huge part of my stack. And I just was running through. All the hands, he just has, like, he just can have the entire board. He can have all the sets, king, ten, like, ace, queen, ace, jack. Just, I didn't think he would play, like, ace, king like this with, with that kind of sizing. So I just, I'm basically just bluff catching, and I'm, I'm trying to think of bluffs that he has. Sure. Like, there wasn't, I don't think there was a flush draw. There might have been a, a turn flush draw, actually, I think. But uh, I'm just thinking of all these hands, and, yeah, that, the threes didn't really come by my mind. No, <laughs> funny that. My mind, you know? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just, like, I figure, like, a lot of hands, like, pair with straight draws, like, queen-king type hands. He's just going to check the turn. And all, all these things are going through my mind. But, yeah, like you said, I think those are my exact words. Uh, I think I said you look nervous as shit right now. But, yeah. like, I just, he can just have just so much, just so much there. That, like, he just, even 9-10, if you double barrel on the turn, now he made a straight. He just, like... There were just so many hands you could have, and I just couldn't think of enough stuff. And even though I usually go with my gut when I when I I'm pretty good at reading people, I just yeah I, I didn't go with it there, and uh, <laughs> still losing sleep over it. Let's uh, let's talk about reading people a little bit now. Even though you you did uh, fold there, your read of you looked nervous as shit uh, was accurate. What sorts of things are you looking for? Is it just a feeling, or do you have a particular sort of uh, body language that triggers stuff for you? I think it's 
I think it's just the feel of, of playing live poker since I was what, 19, I guess, 20, right? Like, you just kind of sense things, and a lot of it's a lot of it's not always just physical things. It's just game flow and and, and things like that. But uh, a lot of it, yeah, it's just everyone's kind of different. Everyone has their own little thing. I remember I won a sizable pot on day two or three in the PCA, actually, where I was in a pretty gross spot on the on the turn with like middle pair I think and but this guy on the river like you just always knew if he was bluffing or not though by the way he held his chips I think when he put him in mm. <laughs> so I knew I'd have an easy decision on the river I'm either just fold or call and then on the river I saw it the thing he did when he never has it so I just like snap called him with like uh mid pair on like a pretty <laughs> pretty crazy board and it he was turning pocket sixes into a bluff so it was right but so yeah, if you pay attention, a lot of people don't put much merit into live tells, but there's definitely a lot, a lot uh, that can go into it. Well, here's what's wild: you you cite your experience playing live poker as part of the reason why you're good at making live reads, but you're also really good online. So what are you doing there? Jeez, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, Clicking online, the right buttons at the right time. Yeah. I guess I don't know. Just kind of, I guess I've always played a lot too, right? So I always just kind of have a good feel. Even online, there's like a sixth sense almost. It's, it, a lot of times, it's, it's kind of weird. But uh, I don't play quite as much online anymore. But uh, yeah, I've definitely done well in some tournaments online too. But, so what are you uh, what are you doing with your time when you don't play poker, Sean? You're you're a great kid. You've Always been one of my favorites, but I don't know a lot about you and what goes on in the rest of your life. What's a what's a typical day or week like for you? Uh, for a lot of years, it was just a lot of uh, a lot, a lot of poker, <laughs> and now it's uh, a little bit less poker. But uh, just uh, yeah, I play basketball when I'm home at every night almost now from ten till twelve at night. There's a, a drop in where I'm playing with a bunch of kids that go to college and stuff that are way younger than me, so. It, it's a good run and competitive. And then, uh, you know, I spend time with the family and just and friends and just kind of relax when I'm home. And then uh, I go hiking with my niece a uh, decent amount. She loves to hike. And then uh, yeah, not not a lot, you know, kind of just relax. And then when I hit the road, it's more, uh, more kind of business, I guess, like more just putting in hours to, to play. So home is Canada for you? Uh, yeah, just outside of Vancouver. And uh, when you say that you spend time with family, are you like the star of the family? Does everyone want to hear <laughs> the stories of what's going on in poker today? Um, a little bit. Like, uh, not like the star like anymore. You know, it, it's kind of older news now. But yeah, like my my uncle that we go play cards with on Tuesdays always wants to like hear what's going on and he'll ask me where he can follow me if, if when I'm going to tournaments and whatnot. And my dad's really always been a really big fan of mine. He loves to follow the updates and uh, he enjoyed watching the stream that, that you guys did for the PCA. He said it was, it was unbelievable. So that was cool. That had, they had the whole family was over watching that actually. Well, you should it, tell it, them to say hello because we love it when people's family and parents chime in. It's actually uh, really fun for us. 
he probably couldn't figure out how to <laughs> to get an account <laughs> to type it in. <laughs> I can just picture your dad bad. like calling you at the table and being like, "How do I write a message in here?" <laughs> yeah. I'm playing right now, Dad. <laughs> I have to say, Sean, your life sounds pretty, pretty sweet to me. The basketball, the hiking, and I, I get the sense that you enjoy yourself at the table as well. If we talk about demeanor at the table, you take a player like Maria, and she just looks stressed out constantly. And she said that in every interview, that she's really <laughs> nervous when she's playing. You take a player like Oleg Titov and how frustrated and annoyed he was that he couldn't find a hand. Whatever's happening yeah. to you, you just seem to be kind of kicking back and just enjoying the experience of being there and playing. Yeah, I mean... In the end, it's a game. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun, and I've also I've also seen everything. You know, I've and in the tournament, I understand that it you just play your staff. Like the cards aren't coming; they're not coming. Like you just yeah. play your ten blinds, your fifteen blinds, your twenty blinds, whatever it is. You hit the gas at the right time. You sit back at the right time. Uh, yeah, like actually, day one of this tournament, I came second in last year that we're talking about. I was down to like. <laughs> Oh, I was so low day one from, I think you start with 30,000, is yes. it? I was down to maybe 3K, but it was still like 30 bigs or whatever, because wow. it's like 5,100. I was just like, I just came in at one of those days. I just wasn't super prepared. I was just playing every hand. like, And then I was like, what are you doing? Like, you can't re-enter. You're being an <laughs> idiot. Like, just, you have 30 bigs, just somehow lock it down and, and come back here. And I just played like super well the rest of the way. And just, Holy yeah, shit. <laughs> I think it's really important to to tell people things like that because, look, for a lot of us, especially amateurs, it's all fun and games in the beginning, right? You're like, yeah, I got chips. I call. I call. Let's see a yeah. flop. I got five, six suited in middle position. I see people make hands with this. Yeah. And then you get down <laughs> just to bleeding it all the way. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get down to 40 big blinds, which is still a lot of chips, but it's like one-tenth of the stack you started with, and you're like, ah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> How has yeah, the definitely. rest of the year been for you, Sean, poker-wise? Because a second-place finish in this is worth more than 600K. It's a pretty good score. It's a very good score and a great way to start 2018. How has poker gone for you uh, since then? Uh, to be honest, I didn't play a ton of live tournaments this year, I don't think. And the World Series, I, I got beat up pretty bad like playing cash games. It was just like, I'd just lose every time I sat down for some reason. <laughs> and... Uh, just the way it goes sometimes. But, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, I don't think I had any deep runs. I think I won a couple little things online and whatnot. But, yeah, I've, I was more focused a little bit. Uh, I've lost almost 50 pounds now uh, this year. Yeah, so man, that, that's that was, awesome. That's that fantastic. More, yeah, that was a bit more of a focus, too, just kind of doing that and, and a couple other things. But, uh yeah, I feel good, and I've been looking forward to this big 25K coming up for the whole year, so that's part of also getting your my mind ready and all that stuff too, right? It's going to be a fun tournament. You mentioned uh, you weren't really in the right mindset when you started the PCA Men event. You just mentioned being in the right mindset for the PSPC coming up. What does that mean to you? Uh, I think just like kind of having a bit of routine, routine maybe getting up beforehand and uh, – going to the gym or something just just you know when you when you just wake up and you're kind of rushing there or whatever you you, you just sometimes you're a bit irritated when you start or now I, I dabble a little bit with some of the headspace apps and uh the prime mind app things like that a little bit and it, 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 it can help a lot it helps settle you down a bit and just 
I find if you come into tournaments not ready, or if you go to a tournament but you're not really wanting to be there, you're, you're just you're just like drawing dead because <laughs> there's just such a battle. They're just so long. Like, so yeah, you really have to be mental, mentally prepared. Well, it sounds like for the 25k that a lot of players are really gonna want to be there. It feels like if you're gonna be focused on one tournament, it's gonna oh, be yeah. this one. Uh, it's gonna be crazy. It's it's no reentry too, right? So it's, and there's gonna Correct. be all sorts playing it by the looks of it. So <laughs> it's it's gonna be exciting. Sean, uh, do you want? I asked if you're the star in your family. Uh, do you want to be like a household poker name? Do you want to be uh, one of the names that people say when they think of the superstars of poker? Uh, yeah, for sure. It's it's. Uh... I don't know. It was always the the game and the challenge that kind of drove me and not like wanting to be like a superstar, but just like, you know, having the respect of, of your peers and, and whatnot in the game. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got that over. I mean, I've been near the top basically my, my whole career, I guess. But yeah. uh, besides playing these massive things that they came out with now, <laughs> like these, I, I never really uh, sell pieces and stuff. So I, I don't bother to play these, these massive sky, sky high things like, I'll play some 25Ks and whatnot, but these 300Ks and stuff were a little crazy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I definitely love the challenge. Like, I would love to play those too, but it's just kind of unrealistic, I guess, at times. <laughs> so if you become that household poker name, do you want to be known as Bucky? Do you want to be known as someone? Is your nickname really Cannon? Someone wrote that to me on Twitch. Do people call you <laughs> Cannon? Uh, I think just one final table. I think Vince Van Patten was like Sean the Cannon Buchanan, so it it stuck in ways a tiny bit to some people, but definitely not <laughs> in, in, not like my friends or anything. <laughs> really, they might joke around once in a blue moon, but I guess Bucky is like the main thing people would call me. The first around, guy around I ever the heard. World. <laughs> the first guy I ever heard refer to you as Bucky was uh, Greg FBT Mueller. He just yeah. was always talking about Bucky and the Buck. Are you guys still tight? uh yeah we i mean we used to travel together everywhere so we were we were pretty tight but uh i had i had a girlfriend the last eight year eight nine years and we broke up we traveled together a lot so me and greg didn't really stay together or travel much anymore so you know grow apart a little bit but yeah we're still close like i'll still fly out on a sunday and watch football with him or, or hang out a bit out here he lives about uh 35 minutes from me so uh, oh cool that's great it's good but, to hear I, I love that but, guy yeah when he's home he just loves to have his four tvs going and watching sports and stuff <laughs> and working out so uh, i'm right, always well, welcome i'm always welcome over there and, and whatnot with him so yeah we have fun cool well uh as is tradition on this show bucky as we wrap things up i always make the participants play a really dumb game <laughs> and uh, this one is based on your nickname, Bucky. You're not the only one with an Ucky nickname. So we're going to play a little game I like to call Know Your Uckies. <laughs> it's a pretty I'm easy game. that every single answer ends Ucky, and you just have to guess the first few letters. That's correct. That is it, James. That is a good explanation of the game. No multiple choice this time. That would be too easy. Here we go. Question number one. Poker player Jennifer Tilly occasionally dabbles in acting in a series of horror films. What <laughs> is the name? What is that? Chucky. Chucky, there we go. So far, you know your uckies. Question number two. This type of fried chicken is sold by the bucket and comes in both original and extra tasty crispy. Kentucky. Kentucky, yes. 
Sean Buchanan, you know your Uckies. Question number three. This one is a little tougher. You could Hector Hardigan if you need a lifeline on this one. <laughs> Vanity Fair calls this character played by John Cryer a rare mistake in the Hugh Pantheon of Clown Princes. Uh-oh. You stumped me. <laughs> I never heard of it. <laughs> I'm guessing this is a reference to John Cryer's character Ducky and not his portrayal of Lenny Luthor in Superman IV The Quest for Peace. Ducky is correct. We're going to keep Sean Buchanan Whoa. alive here knowing his uckies. Uh, Sean, in February of this year, it was announced that the hourglass shape would no longer be included in this type of charm. Hmm. A very sugary cereal that has to be classified as candy in the United Kingdom. Lucky. <laughs> Lucky charms. There we go. So you're Question number me with four. the hard ones now. <laughs> I know. Well, obviously, you don't eat fried chicken or sugar cereal anymore if you're dropping 50 pounds. Question number five. This service is offered to the Marines by the very friendly Vietnamese locals in the movie Full Metal Jacket. Oh, God. <laughs> he knows it. <laughs> um, I saw that a long time ago. Uh, I'm going to pass. <laughs> I'm not or going fail. to do the accent, but I will try and re recite the line. Me, sucky, sucky. Sucky, sucky is correct, James. You know oh my. Oh. your Aki. I know we'll my Kubrick it. movies. We'll do one more here, and then we're going to let Sean off the hook, literally and figuratively. Something that might be considered disgusting, gross, or full of laughs might be called... Yucky? Yucky is correct. Sean Buchanan. Oh, we, on the winning note. <laughs> we went out on a Lucky. high, and that's the important that's thing. That's right. You know your Yucky. Sean, great talking to you, man. It was tough getting a hold of you. I'm glad we did, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in the Bahamas yet again. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see you guys there. Thanks a lot. Poker in the ears. Our thanks once again to Sean Buchanan. And just before we get this week's superfan on the show, Joe, I did promise details of a special free roll that we're going to run in the next few days as we give away some Winter Series tickets, having announced the schedule of the Winter Series earlier on in the show. This free roll is going to be taking place on Monday, the 17th of December. And here are the start times of the free roll in three separate time zones. 2.40 p.m. Eastern, 7.40 p.m. GMT, 8.40 p.m. Central European time. Registration will open 15 minutes before this free roll starts. No late registration available. In the prize pool, just over $500, which translates into $23, $22 Winter wow. Series tickets. So that could potentially get you free entry into the low Winter Series main event. The free roll will be called Winter is Coming. And the password, the character that Joe loves best in every season of Game of Thrones, Blackfish. Uh, that's B-L-A-C-K-F-I-S-H, all lowercase. Blackfish is the password for Winter is Coming, our special Winter Series free roll taking place on Monday the 17th of December. I just remember the fact that last season you literally had to do a Wikipedia search for who the fuck is the Blackfish? Not just once. Every time he's referenced, I'm like, who is this again? 
Speaking of Game of Thrones, I think I still have yet to watch the the last season finale. Wow. Well, you might as well wait now and just rewatch the penultimate season just before the final season starts on TV next spring. Pretty soon, right? Yeah. yeah. Just a few months to go. Okay, super fan time now on the podcast. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Please welcome to Poker in the Ears from the Netherlands, Mr. Tim Willems or Willems? I'm never sure how to pronounce it, Tim. It's uh, Willems. Willems. Yeah, it's really a Dutch name. Yes. I think in English you would say uh, Williams, but Willems is fine. It's what I call the hard W rather than the soft W, but welcome anyway. Um, as you yeah, know, thanks for having me, guys. this is the latest in a series of movies that Joe Stapleton has been tasked with, forced to watch before he turns 44. So before we get to know you, Tim, we mm -hmm. need to know what Joe Stapleton thought of this week's film. North by Northwest, the Alfred Hitchcock classic from 1959. Please tell me, Joe, we're not two weeks in a row with you absolutely hating your homework assignment. Let me, let me start with the good part. I can absolutely see the influence that this movie has had on many movies that I did enjoy. But <laughs> this movie, again, I don't I've never understood people's hard on for Hitchcock. Uh, I like the way his shots look. I like the way his movies feel. This entire movie could have been avoided by a guy better explaining himself. <laughs> Like the entire opening, uh, like, you know, the, the, I'm like, okay, ad guy, get it. He's kind of a jerk. All right. He's kind of an asshole. Uh, and then he gets kidnapped and he does a horrible job of convincing these guys that he's, why did he just Google me? Um, just Google me and you'll find out that I'm not the guy you're looking for. I'm pretty sure. And I will need to double check this afterwards that the internet wasn't around back then. I don't know. I, there's gotta be some overlap. Uh, I, I just... I, I didn't like that aspect of it. Now, now, what I can give it credit for is there was probably never a movie like this ever made before. So it probably really dazzled audiences. It probably really uh, seemed plausible in some way. But Cary Grant is incredibly unlikable in this entire movie. I don't understand how this guy was a sex symbol. He kind of has a handsome face, but he's like lanky and gross. <laughs> he wears his he wears his pants up to his his rib cage. Cary Grant dis dismissed as lanky and gross by Joe Stapleton. He's very weird looking. If you actually look at his body, he's like the Slender Man. Well, we discussed last week um, the voice that Tony Curtis does when he's being Shell Oil Jr. in Some Like It Hot, which was his tribute to Cary Grant. You see where I'm going now with that? Yes, and I can kind of get that. And somehow, Cary Grant is only slightly more charming than the fake Cary Grant impression that Tony Curtis was doing. Uh, I, this character has no arc. He de he doesn't learn anything. He doesn't. Uh, he, he sort of becomes a little brave at some point, but also you, I I didn't want him to succeed. He's a jerk. Wow. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, I think uh, concerning his looks, he looks like a bit like Sean Connery. Uh, he he made me think of uh, Sean Connery a bit. There is a he touch of Connery in Cary Grant. That's true. Yeah, and and he's so 
tan. He's like really brown, uh, like <laughs> unnaturally brown tan. I don't know. I just there was there was a few parts of this that I liked. Uh, I liked the like the set pieces, like the the backdrops and the fact that it was kind of like a James Bond movie. You know, the end of it taking place at Mount Rushmore. I yeah. kind of liked that. And the airplane scene, I was able to sort of take myself back in time and look at how cool that must have been uh, for people back then. But in general, I was just like, this movie, this story just does not check out. Okay, Tim, before I offer my two cents, what were your thoughts on it? Was this a film that you just volunteered to do because you wanted to be on the show? Or was this a film that is dear to your heart? Um, well, I'm a movie fan in general. And uh, this was on my watch list for quite a while. And then I saw it on your, uh, I heard it on your show. And I, I thought this is the ultimate chance to uh, watch it and discuss it. Uh, so uh, that was it. And uh, to be honest, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I never saw a Hitchcock movie before. But I was pleasantly surprised by uh, by it. Uh, it had a nice ambience and also good suspense. In the beginning, it's like, what the fuck is happening? And yeah. uh, then it explains it, uh, itself. Yeah, it was nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah, you see, I still think that it's an enjoyable ride. Uh, I hear what you're saying about the arc of, uh, of, of Roger in the movie, Joe, but I just enjoy the journey more so than the destination and i think it's genuinely tense and suspenseful along the way and to accentuate the positives how good is james mason as the villain and here's a here's a hashtag fun fact and i did double check that this wasn't in patrick's quiz i believe that martin landau plays the first incidentally gay character in cinema history in the sense that the fact that he's homosexual does not inform anything he does in the film he just happens to be gay I, uh, I, f- I forget at which point that's uh, sort of revealed, but uh, I did like Martin Landau a lot. Very ominous, very scary. Um, the, uh, the henchmen in general were pretty good. Um, I-, I did appreciate that aspect. The villains were all great. And the biggest problem with the movie is, and I forget the uh, actor's name, but the woman playing Cary Grant's mother in the movie is only about two years older than he is. Yeah, that's. I thought that was weird too. I was like, "Who is this? Is this his, is this one of his kind of girlfriend?" Oh, it's his mother. Uh, so not quite an I hate it that we had last week, but by no means a fan. So let's talk instead about our super fan, Tim. What is your deal, bro? Uh, my deal. I'm uh, currently a graduate student uh, studying architecture, and that's mostly taking up of my time. And yeah, besides that, I'm a recreational poker player, of course, which I already also enjoy. Now, I am aware of you from our free roll league, which mm-hmm. we ran back in October, November. I know you participated in that. Um, do you get the chance to play much poker? Um, yeah, uh, whenever I get the time. I think a few months back there was a bounty uh, a bounty league and i played a lot of tournaments in it and also had some decent caches that's what's uh, and and i think after i graduate i really will will take the opportunity to maybe look more seriously into poker yeah because i really like it and i think it's a really good chance to make some money uh, on the side but the key point is after you graduate to quote the great joe stapleton stay in school kids do not quit <laughs> your studies to pursue your dream of playing poker yeah, I think, but uh, I mean, my, my uh, I mean, architecture means uh, being creative, and I think you can also be creative uh, in poker, and I can, I think you can have an edge, uh, edge that way. 
Uh, yeah, and I really enjoy it, so I really want to uh, take it a, a, a serious shot. Give it a serious shot. Of course, I just, just don't, I just, just don't think want, of the uh, just think of the chip stacks he could build, James, with an architecture. Well, I, what Jerry. I was what I was going to say is I don't want to cast any aspersions as to your poker skills, Tim, but I am going to go out on a limb here and suggest that you will make more money in your life as an architect than you will as a poker player, and potentially. More reward, because I imagine it's quite an exciting profession. Um, let's get to the quiz, then. We do have ten questions put together by Patrick. The usual multiple rule, uh, multiple choice options are available. You can get the two points, though, if you don't need them. Um, Tim, you can pick a number mm -hmm. between one and ten, and uh, let's get the ball rolling. Uh, let's start off with seven for change. Okay, <laughs> it's always coming seven. Uh, it's a question about the Mount Rushmore scene. Roger says... I don't like the way blank is looking at me. Who is he talking about? Uh, is it one of the statue faces? It is one of the statue faces. I need you to tell me which one. If you can't tell me, I can give you four options. Um, is it uh, Abraham Lincoln? Wow, you went for it rather than taking the options, which means that Joe can steal because that was an incorrect answer, Tim. Oh, oh no. Teddy Roosevelt. Correct, for two points. And Joe has a 2-0 lead after uh, the first half of the first I, uh, round. Look, I had, to, I had to do that to you, Tim, because every week I know the first question and I don't get a chance to answer it. So What I'm sorry. is happening here? Now, I, I think you, you already have an edge on me, uh, Joe, because I'm not a native English speaker. I'm not really into this uh, American history, but okay, let's go on. <laughs> you, I, uh, you have an edge over me in that you're not an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Joe, pick a question, please. Seven is gone. Seven is gone. Let's go with... Let's go with... They know I like to pick nine, so let's go with eight. Okay. The film was directed by Alfred Hitchcock and grossed around $22 million worldwide. What is the highest grossing Hitchcock movie? Oh, man. It's either The Birds or Psycho would be my guess. I'll take the choices just in case I'm way off. Okay. Is it Rear Window, Vertigo, Psycho... Or frenzy. Let's go with Psycho. It was Psycho for one point, and you have a 3 0 lead after the first round. Tim, questions 1 through 10, bar 7 and 9. Let's go with 4. Question number 4. It's an observational question, which we know Patrick loves. What color car does Eve jump into after she shoots Roger? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh,. Choices? Black, white, red, or green? Greenish, I think. I'm afraid it was a white car. Damn. So you are still putting up an egg right now. Joe, which question would you like? Give me question one, please. Question one. What type of whiskey do the thugs force down Roger's throat at Townsend's house? That's a great question. That's a great question. I don't remember it having a label on it, but go on. Scotch, malt, oh, Irish, okay. or bourbon? It's bourbon. It is bourbon for one point. Sorry, I, I could have got that without the choices, but I didn't. I, I thought we were looking for a brand name. Okay, Tim, we're entering the third round now. Which question would you like? Let's go with two. What is the first thing Philip Van Damme says to Roger Thornhill when they first meet at the Townsends? Wow, what are these questions? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean the bourbon question I've known, but... Uh... It sounds to me like you're having a bit of a Joe Stapleton moment, complaining about the yeah, questions yeah, you're drawing. Yeah, it seems the roles I have uh, and also, changed now. Also, uh, casting aspersions as to Patrick's Quizmaster capabilities. The first thing he says... There are multiple choice options available. Yeah, let's go with the choices. And I'm going to give you a clue here. The first thing that he would say... Good evening. Not what I expected. Hello there. What a surprise. Uh, I go with the first one. Good evening. Correct. Which means you're on the board. <laughs> you have a point. Joe, three, five, six, nine, or ten? Three, please. During the famous crop duster scene... How, <laughs> this is amazing, this question. This might be the best one that Patrick's ever come up with, and I say that in a bad way. During the famous crop duster scene... How many vehicles does Roger see after being dropped off at the bus stop, not including the bus that drops him off? All right, not including the bus. There's a, there's a car that comes by, and then another car that comes by, and then a car that drops a guy off, and then there's another bus. So I'm going to go with four vehicles. The options have not gone, Tim, which means you can steal. Um, you can take the options if you want to play for one point. Uh, it's at least three. I think in the end two come to check out the, the wreckage. Uh, I go with oh. five. I go with five. You're going with five. Well, no one to take the options. Double your answer, Tim. The answer is ten. Two cars, which Joe yeah. correctly identified. Then the truck that sprays dust at him. The car that drops off a man. The plane. Hello. Of the bus that the man gets on, the car that drives past, the oil truck, and the two cars that pull up to observe the wreckage. For some reason, I thought it was all everything. How many before the plane? My bad. That's okay. Um, so whose question is this? Tim, this will be your question. Five, six, nine, or ten? Uh, nine, please. Number nine. It's another guess the line. Roger says the closing line in the film. What does he say? Um, I'm just sentimental. I'm going to give it like to that. you. I'm, I know, but I'm sentimental. I will give you the two points because I'm nice, uh, which means the score is 4-3. Joe, your question. Uh, I'll just take the lowest. I like to go low. Okay, number five. How old was Cary Grant when this film came out? Ooh, 54 years old. Oh, very close, but not correct. And that means, Tim, you get to steal. Uh, 52? You should have gone the other direction. 55 was the actual answer. And this question comes with a hashtag fun fact. Grant used to charge his fans 15 cents for an autograph, as Eva Marie Saint found out when they were filming on Mount Rushmore. And in case you're interested, he got paid the modern-day equivalent of $6.6 .6 million per movie. Um, right. What a fucking dickbag. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Going into the final round, the score is 4-3. And Joe, you have that one-point advantage. So, Tim, pick carefully. Six or ten? Six. Question number six. How old was Eva Marie Saint when the film came out. And I'm going to give you a clue here. There is quite a decent discrepancy between her age and her leading man. Yeah, I know in the movie she goes with 26, but I think she's in her 30s. Let's Would you go like with the multiple choice options? 35. 
Wow, he hits it on the head for two points. Good job, Nice Tim. work, Tim. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, Tim. I'm so glad that she is 35, by the way, because when she says she's 26 in the movie, I'm like, my God, is that what people look like <laughs> at 26 years old in this she day and age? Like 40. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, Joe, question number 10. Uh, if you get this without the multiple choice options, by the way, you have won the game. Who does Roger call when he's at the police station? Who does Ro oh, he calls his mother. Correct, for two points. And that means, Joe, by a score of no. six points to five, you managed to squeak out a victory. And Tim, you joined the ranks of the few. <laughs> what is happening? Who have been bested by Joe Stapleton at Superfan vs. Stapes. All I would say is we have identified a theme here. If it's a specialist subject that Joe is not a huge fan of, be that a movie he hates or a movie he's indifferent about, <laughs> he performs rather well. I, Congratulations, uh, Joe. Tim, I'm sorry to beat you. If I ever see you in person, I'll make it up to you. Um, all I can say is that ever since we gave away that platinum pass, we got to start earning back that money. <laughs> I, understand. I understand completely, yes. <laughs> but, Tim, you know how it works. I can't give you the PCA satellite ticket, but I can give you some PokerStars swag. So we'll be in touch to get your address, and we'll send you something nice in the post, which may or may not arrive in time for Christmas. Okay, that's, uh, that's fine. Thank you very much. Uh, I enjoyed it. Well, it was good to have you on the show. Thank you for your time today. Okay. Bye-bye. North by North Worst. That's what I'm calling this movie. Oh, Joe. Joe, I, by the way, someone who will remain unnamed, whose voice may or may not appear at the top of every podcast, when informed that Joe Stapleton hated Some Like It Hot, their reaction was, what the fuck is wrong with him? I'm sorry. It's just not. It's just not good. And the thing is, I some of these old movies. I, you know what's weird is I don't hate all old movies. I will admit that there is a a certain barrier, a certain hurdle they've got to overcome to get me on board. But I, if if your old movie feels like an old movie, I'm not gonna like it. And that's it. And some like it hot just feels really old. I nearly, Sorry. I nearly threw you under the bus. What I was going to do is tweet. It said, Joe hated some like it hot. Over to you, at Jess Wellman, and just throw you to the wolves. But I decided to save you that pain. Wouldn't be our first disagreement we've had <laughs> online. Guys, we're almost out of time. Just about for next week's show. Just enough time left to plug it. It's going to be our last show of the year. Our last show before the PSPC and the PCA. So it's going to be our Bahamas preview show. Yes. And uh, I've been teasing a big name guest for the last few weeks and we did it. We got him. We got Josh Molina. I'm so excited about this. Will Bailey from the West Wing, the co-creator of Celebrity Poker Showdown, is going to be on this podcast. And in getting him on this podcast, Joe, I discovered that he has his own podcast talking about the West Wing. Yes, I promised him that we would plug the West Wing Weekly. He seems real into it. It's like an episode-by-episode oh, breakdown. I had no idea this show existed. I have now subscribed because this is possibly my favorite TV show of all time. It's the only TV show that I have watched from start to finish more than two times. I've watched it three times. Wow. So are you going to handle this interview for the most part? Are you going to geek out? and? Uh... I think there'll be a little bit of West Wing chat, but I'm also intrigued as to how celebrity poker showdown came about how he got into poker um and the fact that he has a reputation as being aaron sorkin's lucky charm he's been in a number of sorkin shows he was in sports night he yep. was in 
Sorkin's movie, The American President. I mentioned he was in the West Wing. And I believe that he was, he auditioned or wanted to play the role that Bradley Whitford eventually played in Studio 60. And that show, as we know, did not work out for Sorkin. And people felt he should have cast uh, Josh Molina. They needle each other quite a bit online about that Studio 60 thing. It's pretty funny. If you follow both of those guys, they do. Uh, they have some real fun with each other. Really excited to talk to Josh. You know when when celebrities are on, I try a little bit harder with the games. And so I think I'm going to do some kind of like six degrees of celebrity poker showdown okay. type of game. I think that could be kind of fun. What am I watching for Superfan versus Stapes? Okay, so it's the last installment of our five movies that Joe needs to watch. So let's just recap what we've had so far. Singing in the Rain, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Some Like It Hot and North by Northwest, of which you've liked one. Let's see how we get on with Taxi Driver, 1976. Martin Scorsese's movie, written by Paul Schrader, starring Robert De Niro. Taxi Driver is on the slate for next week because that's a good Christmas movie. It's a nice, bright, happy film to go out with just before the festive season. Well, yeah, look, I'm going to be watching it just before we get into like the thick of the Christmas season. So uh, Taxi Driver, you know, I've got it's been a it's been a point of pride for my entire life that I've never seen this movie. How is it a point of pride to have never watched a particular movie? You know how it's kind of like, you know, you're like, ah, I've never seen it. And you always like I always like kind of like the reaction I get from people. And I'm like, no, I've never you seen Taxi like Driver. Being people an ignorant who- dick. OK, well, that's good to know. Um, so Patrick's doing the questions <laughs> on that one. And remember, Joe. During the Christmas holidays, the bonus movie, It's a Wonderful Life, because we will definitely do that one in the new year, and people have applied to be the It's a Wonderful Life superfan. You said you'd watch it with your mother. This is so funny because I told uh, my girlfriend that I hadn't seen it, and she had a meltdown, which is hilarious because she's a Jew. (laughs) She doesn't even celebrate Christmas, and she couldn't fathom that I hadn't seen. It's a wonderful life. That is all the time we got for this week's show, guys. Uh, why don't you help us out? Let us uh, close out the year with a bang, huh? Click us some. Give us some clicks. Subscribe, like, comment. Uh, give us a review. That would be a nice Christmas present for me and James. We ask nothing of you. Just give us a few SEO clicks. Help boost the show a little bit. We want to come back strong in 2019. Give us a click. That is it for now, though. Until next week, for our last show of the year, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs>